more than 50% of those children that are out there, and there are millions, never have the privilege to darken the door of a church. We believe that that is wrong. This is what I found out in the study for this message that single parents account for about 20 million family households under the age of 18. 17 million of those happen to be single moms, and 2 million of those are single fathers. One in three children happens to be born to an unmarried parent. Here's something else. One child out of 25 lives with neither parent, which here in Polk County, we have hundreds and hundreds of homeless children that have no home with which they are required to report to. How can we stay true and accommodate our spiritual values and ministry amount, uh, ministry focus? We have to understand those problems are our problems. That culture is our culture. That need is a need that God is presenting to us. How shall we respond? Shall we sit by and say, we've got it made? We enjoy church, come and check in, check out, get in the car, go to lunch. That is not the desire of Jesus Christ, and that is not the desire of of the heart of God. Here's what we are going to do. We're going to enhance our children's space and amenities. We're going to reorganize and upgrade our children's program. Our children's pastors here and at Lakeside are ready to go. We're going to upgrade the children's space beyond their imagination. If they go to Disney or Legoland, they should not go there and then come to church and wonder, do they believe in kids? Our goal is to upgrade it to the degree that when a child comes in the children's section of Victory Church, they're going to say, wow, this is as good looking as this at Disney or Legoland. I want to go back. Listen, friend, that's important for us. We increase the security check. We have property acquisition. We're going to buy the remaining five acres, and that is, is north of us out there. That five acres is located, well, up there somewhere. Anyway, I'm lost or dizzy. <clears throat> It's five acres, and that's it. Dr. Gill, Dr. Gill has, who owned all of this property, owned all the mall property, is holding that for us. But it's been there for quite some time. And, and so I said to the board the other night as I'm sharing the vision with them, I said, I, I sure need to get to see Dr. Gill. Dr. Gill made a statement one time, I'm going to die broke. I thought we ought to help him. You know, he's got that five acres. We, we need it. But how am I going to do that? Well, I, Tuesday was a couple of weeks ago. Sharon, many of you know, had the shingles. And, and she went to her doctor. And her doctor said, boy, the shingles are on that ocular line here. And there's uh, some inside your mouth. And oh, it was so painful. She couldn't eat or anything of that nature. She couldn't even kiss. I mean, it was really, really bad. And they said, you may have some inside the eye, which if that happens, your vision will be damaged. She said, we, we, we go see the optometrist or op ophthalmologist now. Well, our is Dr. Gill in Tarpon Springs. And it was that rainy Tuesday, nasty. And she said, we've got to go. I, I had meetings at Southeastern with banks and executive committee meetings with them. And it had been on the calendar for a month. And I, I said, all right, we, we've got to go. I've been married long enough to know here's the only option. Go with her. Take her to the doctor. I got up the road. I text Southeastern and said, I'm not making it. Five minutes later, they said, then we're going to can the meeting and not have it until you do come. We're up the road. I'm telling you, the traffic backed up about Kathleen Road. I turned to Sharon. I said, Sharon, dear, 
I said, you know what? I mean, the traffic is bad. It's already backed up. Maybe we should try to see somebody here in Lakeland. You know what she said to me? She looked at me and she said, I want you to know that my eyesight is just as important as your eyesight. You go to Tarpon. I'm on my way. I said, yes, ma'am. So be it. Well, we kept on. The traffic did not give up. It was one thing or another. If she said, don't change lanes one time, she said it a thousand times. I kept changing lanes, trying to do everything that I could to let my type A personality shine and get on into Tarpon Springs. We finally made it. They checked. Thank God. She had no problem as it relates to inside the eye, but a real case of the shingles. And we had lunch by this time, two o'clock. And uh, I told the board the other night, I sure want to see Dr. Gill. Lou, Lou Freeland is over Dr. Gill's enterprises relate to land and development. And I, I said, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do it. But I told Sharon, she was finishing up. And I said, I want to walk down the hall here to their land development and see if Lou Freeland is in. Maybe I can see him. I hadn't planned on it in no way, shape, or form. Went down as secretary, administrative assistant, the boss who runs the place. She was there. And I said, I'm Wayne Blackburn. I'd like to see Lou. She said, he's in a board meeting. Give me your name and number. All right, here's my name. Here's my number. And I thought, man, I was really hoping to see him and maybe just some way uh, see Dr. Gill later on to help with that property. Well, I thought it's all days already messing up really bad. I walked from here to the front of the church and my phone rang and it was that gal. She said, hey, Lou Hall came out of the board meeting. He wants you to come back. Well, I, when I turned around and walked back, I got down the hallway where I guess the boardroom was. Lou Freeland walked out and said, hey, come on in. When he opened the door, I'm here to tell you, there sat Dr. Gill, there sat Mrs. Gill, there sat all the attorneys, there sat Lou Freeland, there sat all those individuals involved. And he said, what can I do for you, Pastor? I said, I want to talk to you about that five acres up there, amen. What I mean is God provided a way for me. There was no way. And I said, I know I'm on the right track. How many of you know you can tell when God's doing something? Come on, put your hands together. How good, how good is God? How wonderful is that? Well, he said, we'll work something out. Sanctuary renovation. You, you don't, you don't, all you got to do is have poor vision and you can still see that 20 years of, of the carpet and many of the things that we want to do, we want to re-engineer the lobby area. We want to change that look a little bit and uh, we're going to do that. We want to change the Family Life Center in a renovation 30 years over there with our kids center and doing something in the youth and make it generational for families. It will be unbelievable. Lakeside Campus, do you know they use five or six of the theaters down there? If you're at Lakeside, I'm telling you, they have to get there early in the morning, about 5 or 5.30, begin to set up and cover five or six theaters. Well, we're going to give them the equipment they need. We have the lighting here. We have the equipment and say, Lakeside, we want you to know you matter. You are a part of our family, and we're going to make it happen down at Lakeside. We believe that with all of our heart. The chapel, if you go to the chapel, the elderly people, the weddings and the funerals have worn the out. We're going to get them recovered and recarpeted. We're going to construct a discipleship building and a school building for, for Victory and Victory Christian Academy and for, for our rangers and our missionists and say, boy, howdy, we love the portables, but it's time for the portables to go by the grace of God. And that will happen 
by the grace of the Lord. And we're going to do our exterior lighting and signage and security. And that is we need to, because of more lighting in our parking lot, more cameras out there, so that when we see somebody misbehaving the way they drive, we'll have it on the camera. And we can call you up later that week and say, you almost ran over that poor old woman on the walker and don't say you didn't see her. Are we read your mouth? And what you said was not Christian. We got it on camera. Hello? Yeah. Oh, that's coming. I know you're going to be praying for that. Athletic fields. Did you know that our athletic teams here at VCA win, win state championships, regional championships, county championships? You can put us in basketball. You can put us in baseball. You can put us in football. You can put us in the winner's circle. We do it. But they deserve a good place to be able to enjoy and enhance their Christian education. And then our website. Our website is poor. We're going to upgrade it. More social media, more communication with you, more interaction action in that department. Those are the things that we're going to do of the vision that God has birthed in me that I presented to our board. And I'm telling you right now, here and now, there it is. That's it. Y'all have a good day. Oh no. The lakeside people want more. And here we go. We're going to give you more. I, I enjoy working with godly people. How about you? I, uh, I've been afraid over this uh, message. So you've got to need something to say. I mean, you've heard me talk about buildings and land. and I've been beating that drum now for 30 years. And we have grown, as you saw, in what we've, what we've been through and paid buildings off. Incidentally, the land right out there, Dr. Gill gave us a note paid in full for $750,000 when we, in 2000, when we moved in here. And I thought, Lord, what can I say? You need to move my heart because vision casting is something that my friend is a roadmap. And so being afraid, I worked and studied. Yesterday I came back, Sharon said, you going back to the office? Yeah, I need, I just need to get more work. This morning I came in and walked in here and said, God, you saturate us. Because, see, here's what I know. I don't, I don't want anyone to not make heaven. I, I want to be a church that's not only a church that we enjoy one another and we come and we worship God, but I don't like it when the majority of the people in Polk County are not in church today and they're not communicating with God. And so this is what God gave me just like that in my time of prayer, right from my heart, is in Luke, the 19th chapter, verse number 37. If you have your iPad, your iPhone, you have a real Bible, you have a hardcover Bible in the pew in front of you, Lakeside, so sorry, iPhones or iPad for you. It is the story of Jesus. It's in that chapter. The story of Jesus in his life and ministry. He has a burden for the lost. That's why he came. He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. He said, I came to redeem to seek and to say that which is lost. But these are his last days. He comes over the Mount of Olives and looks, of course, to Jerusalem as he gets ready to enter the sacred city. 
His disciples are aware that something phenomenal is going to happen. They're aware that, boy, we're going to go and we're just going to manhandle the city of Jerusalem and all the individuals and the Pharisees and all those that are there. And the disciples began to praise God and began to shout. And they thought about the miracles that were there. What they thought they were going to get is not what they got. They thought we're going to have an armed battle here and he's going to win because he can turn water into wine, buddy. He can melt you right down right now. But that's not what they got. They got more than that. They began to sing this in that text, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And many of the Pharisees said to Jesus, you better tell your disciples to be quiet. You need to rebuke them. And this is what Jesus said. Jesus looked at them, and this is what he said in Luke 19, 40. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. I want you to pay attention. If they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In other words, if those created, those of us who are human, fail to give God praise, if those who are created and assigned the responsibility of preaching the gospel, if those created now redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ, i.e. the church which is the bride of Christ, if we are quiet, here's what Jesus said, those inanimate objects that have no heartbeat, no blood pressure, no mind, no brain, those stones will rise up and give me honor and give me glory. What he's saying is, if you don't fulfill the assigned opportunity you have, I'll take nothing, and that nothing will give me praise and give me honor. That's why we come to church. We don't want the pews to cry out and give Him glory. It leads me to believe that God's intentional about His message being heard, intentional regardless of whether any religious organization steps to the plate or not. We believe that we are the light. I believe the church is the light in the midst of much, much darkness. Did you read the stats about the children, the darkness that are there, that their mind and belief about God by the age of 13 or 14 is already formed? You see, we believe that we, that's you, that's me, that's us together. We are the, we are the hand that heals the sick. We believe that we're the spoon that hands to a hungry mouth. We believe that we're the ones to pray over those who are depressed and give them hope and say, you don't have to live hopeless and in depression. There is hope. We believe that the message of the gospel, that when the word of God is preached, it will not return void. It will cause the powers of darkness to cease and desist. It was in that moment that Jesus looks over Jerusalem and he approached and said he wept. I asked myself as I was studying, what am I weeping over these days? What moves my heart? What breaks my heart? What brings compassion to me? You see, he wept before because he had a dear friend. His name was Lazarus. What was the dear friend's name at Lakeside? It was Lazarus, everybody. Lazarus died. Mary and Martha got the message, and Jesus wept. But we find him weeping, uh, weeping a second time. And this second time is when he comes over that hill, stands there, the Mount of Olives, looking at Jerusalem, just like I'm going to do by this time, well, maybe 10 days from now, and all those going to Israel with me, we'll stand right up there and look at that gold dome, which is the dome of the rock right there. We'll see that, but he weeps when he looks at it.
Do you know why? He looked because of his perception and ability down on Jerusalem, and he saw the face of every Arab that has denied his name. He saw the face of every Jew that could not accept him as the Messiah. He saw the face of every unbeliever, every sinner, every person that he created, that he formed in a womb. He saw them rejecting him, and he began to weep, and he wept because he cared. He cared. Let me explain that. He wept because of Lazarus' death. He cared about Lazarus. He wept because he cared. The individuals would die without having the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Listen, he wept because he knew that one day the news media in this age in which we live would report that a child can be aborted full time, can be aborted after full time in the womb, and that life can be taken. That should cause us to weep. He wept because he knew the culture would try to deny the very existence of Christianity and the work of our Savior. And we know as we read and study that Christianity is no longer the dominant belief system in the world in which we live. He wept because he knew the power of Satan and Satan's influence over children and young people and young families would cause them not to be committed to the cause of Christ. He wept because he knew in Revelation 2 and 3 there were those that would be lukewarm and those that would lose their first love. And he wept because he knew the more pleasure and the more favor that he gave a culture and a society, the more they would turn their back instead of saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what I have done. Oh, the majority of the world today, they're not in church. They're home resting and relaxing and enjoying the blessings of God. I say to you, that has to change. What will make that change? It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he wept, here's what he did. He was calling his church into action. That's the vision today. Number two, he confronted them with reality. Well, why are you weeping? Well, let me tell you why I'm weeping. Let me tell you what reality is. Here's what he said as he looked down over that city. He said, he said the days will come when it will be too late. Too late, you say? He said far too many people would understand that there are seasons in one's life. And right now in our country, it is a season of harvest that should be enjoyed. He said the harvest is ripe. The harvest is white. But then he says, the labors are few. He said, and unless we awaken, we will be too late for a harvest that needs to be gleaned right now. He said that some would wait until their ear can no longer hear the message of Christ or their heart will become so hardened. He said that someone would breathe their last breath and no one told them about the love of God. He said some kid that before their 12 or 13 would not have proper teaching or have a caring teacher or parent to present them the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, we wait until it's too late. He said that they would wait until it's too late to impact a young woman before some person could say, go ahead and abort. That's not your child. That doesn't matter. It's your right to take that life. He said, don't wait too late till she's passed that decision. Somebody stand up and say something to her. They would wait too late for the song of deliverance to be heard. 
of helping hands that reach out and touch one another. Yesterday, we fed 400 individuals because of the love of Christ. You say, what did we give them? I'm here to tell you that we have a man in the church, that's Lou Hall, who goes down to the auction at the 4-H and FFA auction, and he buys a prime steer, and he buys hogs, and then he calls after he did it about a month ago and said, Pastor, how you want it cut up? I called Cooper. I said, we've got it coming again. Here's what I know. Those people, some of them got some of the finest porterhouse steak you'll ever want to eat, the finest baby back ribs that you'll ever want to eat, the finest pork chops you ever want to eat. We didn't give them stuff nobody else would eat. We gave them stuff that they could say, wow, this is unbelievable. Friend, we will not serve those that are destitute anything less than what we would eat ourselves. Do you believe that? The song of deliverance that reaches a, a person before they commit suicide. In the last 10 years, suicide rates have risen 33%. And there is no hope. It becomes the answer. What shall we do? Oh, we lean on suicide crisis centers. We lean on that. No. When there's a church on every corner, the primary message ought to be shot right out of the pulpit of the church into a dark community. If you believe that, say amen somewhere. He said, don't wait until it's too late to say goodbye to those friends that are not well and you know they don't know the Lord. Don't wait too late to have freedom of worship so that that worship opportunity might be taken away. He says, he calls out reality. You're going to wait before you get too serious about for prayer and it's too late to pray. It's, this is the time we need to pray. Here are the stats. The church today is not praying. The church today is not focused on prayer. The average perch in the pew is not doing devotions, not doing prayer, and not doing any evangelism. You know what will happen? We will dry up, cease, and desist. But today is a brand new message that says that is unacceptable. We will challenge every person. Get into the Word. Get your devotions. Begin to pray and trust God. Victory Church, my friend, is not going to wait until it's too late. We're going to act now by the grace of God. We know that our county is pushing 700,000 individuals we know that more than 25% of those are Spanish-speaking individuals. We want to do something about that and establish our Spanish church as we are looking right now for our Spanish pastor to help us do that. We know that the county is growing and more and more souls are being sent to us right here in Polk County that the, we are the bedroom community for Hillsborough and for the Orlando area. We're not going to wait to do something. When Focus on the Family stats says 49% of young people first view pornography by the age of 13. We're not going to wait, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation survey, that the screen time among children who are three years of age to 13 years of age have some 18 hours a week watching media and that those from 8 to 18 watch 53 hours of media, television, iPad, I, whatever it is, all of that. We cannot wait because that's the article or that is the resource that is being used to teach our children. What should the church do? Raise the standard and say we have something to say. Develop the website. Develop the social media. Develop and storm the Facebook. And let's raise the standard. Y'all help me preach a little bit. Y'all can help me out at Lakeside too, guys. 
We're not going to wait until it's too late to tell young families we can give you a discipleship program and your lives and your family can be different. We're not waiting too late to tell young couples that may be growing apart. You don't have to get a divorce. You can have the help that comes from Jesus Christ. We'll give you parenting classes. We'll give you marriage enrichment classes. We'll give you seminars. I'm not talking about a pipe dream. I am, I hope you notice, more passionate and committed than ever about this church to come awake and get out of our slumbering sleep and once again stand at astute attention as we did 30 years ago go and say no longer will we stand silent no longer will we be idle no longer will we be apathetic we shall once again assume the rightful place at standing guard at the door where satan comes to knock in the hearts of families and young people and say to them in the name of jesus no longer will you have authority over our families over our our children over our young families over our finances and our spiritual life it will not be too late Number three, he wept because he said that unhealthy circumstances would come. Unhealthy circumstances, what does that mean? It seems today that we live in a culture and far too much much in a government that says church is irrelevant. There are more people that believe that God is dead than those that believe he's alive. There are more people that say that Satan doesn't exist than he does. And so when you leave today and when you came to church, did you notice car after car after car? Hey, this is the Lord's day. His day. It's his day. Do you know why he programmed it? He said you can be busy and do all you need to do. But on the day of the Lord, it belongs to me. You and your family belong to me. Here's what we know, that approximately every 20 seconds a child in America is aborted. Every 26 seconds a young person runs away from home. Every 67 seconds a teenager gets pregnant in an unwanted pregnancy. And among the top 10 things that high school students enjoy, listen up, 64% engage in marijuana, but 82% get into hard alcohol and test it and drink it. And this is what is happening when Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem. He knew that. Here's what he said. Your enemies, listen, Jerusalem, listen, Jews, your enemies are going to come and invade your city. And your culture and your territory is going to be destroyed. You are not going to recognize it anymore. I text with an individual, one of the pastors, when the hurricane went through in Alabama and Georgia here several months ago. And he said to me, Pastor Wayne, he said, the road signs were gone. The trees were stripped. He said, the landmarks that we used to use, go downtown, turn right, none of that stuff was there. He said, it was like we lived somewhere we'd never been before. And this is what Jesus was saying about what will happen at Jerusalem. He said, that moment is coming. Your enemy is going to come in. And anything that you considered sacred is going to be gone. And anything that you could use for your security is going to be gone. And he said, they're going to destroy your walls and there'll be no stone that's unturned. He said, they're going to take your women. They're going to rape them. They're going to take your children and dash them to the ground. What point is he trying to make? He says, I want you to grip what's happening 
And unless it's addressed, it will continue to happen. It's almost he smacks us in the face and says unholy circumstances are there. You see, if you look at the worldview of Christianity, you think those in my generation, but you know I'm a boomer, but you know now the boomers, only 10% of them have a worldview of Christianity. You know the young babies, 3 to 15 today, their worldview is 4% about Christianity. What is happening right before our very eyes, the thing that we call stable, the thing that we could go to, the thing, the God that we could hang on to and know that he's real is rapidly being erased and dismissed from the minds of our culture. Dabo, who's the coach who won the national championship from Clemson the other night, he said, I often take a football, put it on the ground with my players when they first come in. And I tell them, take that football, try to stand on it. He said, the best athletes in America stand on it and they wobble. He said, they cannot stand. He said, I tell them, if you try to build your life on that unstable foundation. No matter what your talents, your abilities, your money, your wealth, your ingenuity, your popularity, you will not stand. And the only thing that you can build it upon is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the only stable foundation. Come on, put your hands together, everybody. The power of darkness is doing everything that it can in churches are giving in to it. The fourth thing that happened, Jesus is weeping in that text. He said, because you didn't recognize the time of God's coming to you. In other words, Jesus had been with them for three years. He taught in the temple. He performed one miracle after another. He walked on water. He turned water into wine. He called the dead to life. You would think if you had an opportunity to see all of that, that you'd say, boy, I'm all in. But he stood there before he goes to the cross. And he said, this is what happened. Jerusalem will be destroyed and your women and your children Everything that you call sacred, you're going to lose because you did not take advantage of the time of visitation from Almighty God. There is still hope, I believe, for America. I think the church is alive. I think God's Spirit is real. The Bible says in Revelation that he stood at the door and knocked. And he knocked, and the religious culture today would tell us that Christian churches are one by one caving into that culture and that pressure. I deal with it every day. I talk to pastors across the country. Wayne, what are you doing? Every time in biblical and world history when sin was invaded and the church began to back up and not taking its stand and the church began to clam up and the church began to shut up, here's what happened. Eventually, that culture overflooded the church to the point of non-existence. 
But listen, I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you as pastor of what I consider one of the greatest churches in America and one of the greatest congregations in America. It is a congregation that understands the power of missions and giving to missions. It is a congregation that understands that inner city people need to be ministered to and the dream center lives on. It is a congregation where we touched last year 4,000 people that would not know Jesus Christ, but through your ministry, through your mission, through the Dream Center, through all of our projects, 4,000 plus people came to know the Lord. I'm speaking to a congregation here and at Lakeside that says, hey, we're not going to sit back. We see Polk County and we understand it, but we're going to have a move of God's Spirit. We're going to engage and roll our sleeves up. It can happen. It will happen. And it must happen. And I'm not talking about structures. I'm not talking about buildings. I'm not talking about land. I'm talking about lost people. Billy Graham, every time, just as I am, just as I am without one what? Come on now, without one what? Without one plea. Hear me, church. Lost people, children, families have to be important to us. Amen. That's why we exist, not to come and look pretty, not to come and shake somebody's hand. I'm talking lost people. I saw a lady last night that served me at a particular place. She had gold-plated teeth, but the whole tooth was not gold. Every tooth was outlined with gold. She had a nose ring in, several. She had ear ring in. She had rings in her hair. She had tattoos all over what part of her body I could see. I looked at her. She had personality and potential. And when I looked at that, I thought, my Lord, how mercy. And then that little bit of spirit says, she's an unbeliever. But then the Holy Spirit caught me. He said, have you noticed David Drew lately? The hippie that came in here toting his bucket that comes in with, with legs now that are prosthetic legs and sits back there in the first service that walked up to you and gave you a bear hug because he was a biker and had not been in church in a long time with his display of earrings and all that went along with it and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about reaching young people who need Jesus Christ. I'm talking about young people, listen to me carefully, not only in a culture out there, but far too many of our church kids, listen to me carefully, will use the F-bomb at will and think nothing about it, my friend. And we at Victory Christian Academy say, if you do, you're going to get caught. And if you do, we're going to encourage you and love you. But that is not the way that anybody that's considered to be a Christian ought to behave and ought to be able to talk. Somebody give it up, my friend. We need to be a righteous and a holy people that understands God. 
I'm talking about reaching young people with broken homes where mom and dad hasn't spent five minutes alone with their kid all week long. They're too busy enjoying all the comforts. I'm talking about young people that found love in social media or somewhere that they shouldn't. They need to be reached. Our youth division under our youth team are saying, Pastor, we're ready to pare it back and peel that banana and reach more kids than you can ever imagine. In that Family Life Center, this past Wednesday night, we had a dunk contest that some of those kids dunked that basketball. And I'm telling you, every size, every way, doing back flips, forward flips, spring over and over and over again, putting the ball in. And you say, somebody said, well, I don't know. Is that kind of the youth service? You bet you know it is. If we can reach young people in whatever way, I will go after them and bring them in to the fold of Jesus Christ. It does not diminish the fact that we love those that may disagree with us. Here's what he said. You missed, you missed the opportunity when it happened. Today is a day of vision casting. And I've given you a truckload of things to talk about. 30 years ago, I want us to have the same passion and the same drive and the same ability displayed in our hearts right now. I'm asking you to say, I want to sacrifice. I want to create the priorities of my life. God, I'm not going to watch my church just be idle. I'm going to watch my church grow and reach lost people. I'm going to see my culture do more than ever so that sin does not prevail, that God will bless us. Oh, you might say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Listen to me. Listen to my yard talk. Victory Church has a great reputation worldwide, but we are not going to live off our reputation from yesterday. We're not going to live on our reputation of what we have done. We're not going to live on our reputation that the favor of God has given to us in the past. We're going to believe that God's favor is going to come and let his life on us right now. We're going to take a pilgrimage of worship, of sacrifice. We're going to take a pilgrimage that says nobody ought to have to go to hell. And we're going to stand in way by the grace of God. Mount Nebo, Mount Nebo, Tebow, Nemo, Dabo. Moses is almost in the promised land. But he just can't speak to that rock. He's been told. God said, I want you to go up there and take a look, look over. Moses climbed up to the top of Nebo. And Deuteronomy 34.4 says, I'll give it to your descendants. I'm going to let you see it with your eyes. But Moses, you're not crossing over. As lead pastor over all the ministries of Lakeside, I mean of Victory Church. Our staff pastor with Jeff there and the team, and all of our staff, all of our families, our VCA staff and families, I'm saying to you, we are going to make a difference. We are making a commitment to you that will ramp us up into an arena that we've been praying about and will believe God. We're going to watch and see what God can do when we open our hearts and say, here we are. So I'm asking you this. I'm asking you to respond in prayer. Prayer that our vision will work by the grace of God and for us to own it together. 
I'm asking you to respond in prayer for one another. We are our brother's keeper. I'm asking you to be bold and to be brave and to be humble so that we can say more often than not, look what the Lord has done. Also, I'm asking that we not squander the precious gift that God has given us in what we call Victory Church. And may God and his wonderful blessing bless us in a way that comes as a result of our faith. So, it's not 20% of us doing the work. It's 100%. It's not 20% of us believing. I believe our children are important, and we're making a commitment to that. Our mission's important. Our dream center's important. Our youth are important. Our families, our single-parent families. I heard Joel Osteen say the other day in one of his messages, he said, be a person Be a person that looks for something to do to help someone else. In other words, if you have friends that you know that are single families, be sure they don't have a need that you can help with. Don't wait for them to ask because most won't. You have a sphere of influence around you that you can impact. Be sure you do it for the name of Jesus. I believe that. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And just in case there's some of you online, some of you here, some of you at Lakeside, that may not know the Lord, just pay attention carefully. I'm praying, Lord Jesus, would you minister now? And so, friend, if you're not right with Jesus and your heart is not in tune, if you casually are a casual follower or you're a believer that may be lukewarm or you're someone that says, I've kind of dropped off the wagon, or maybe you've really never been branded by the relationship of redemption, And you need to do that. So while I'm praying, you can whisper in your heart, Lord Jesus, please forgive me. Take my sins away. Come into my life. Cleanse me and purify me. And if you prayed that prayer, and in the bottom of your heart you decide to make it happen and work together, then God will do it for you. And he will redeem you. And may that be so. Now, Lord, I pray abundance of blessing on the ministries of Victory Church. I pray for our campus here and at Lakeside and other campuses that we're going to have in the Central Florida area. God, I pray the abundance as you begin to sow the seeds there. I pray that you'll speak to our hearts and not let us just be listeners, but let us be doers of the Word of God. I pray, God, because we know that's a commitment. Commitment demands sacrifice. It demands paying attention. It demands that things won't be normal anymore. But how can things be normal when we know that a young person, a kid by the time they're 13 already has everything formed in their mind that they're going to know we have to reach them sooner. We have to take that young single family, those parents that are not engaged in godly things, and, and we have to say to them and their kids, your kid will not just automatically fall in love with Jesus. They need help. They're finding their answers in social media. But God, help us to do a better job. So as I pray, I pray a blessing over our church, over Lakeside, over here in every ministry. And we engage by the authority of your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Lakeside is going to leave us now. Give them a hand as they leave us, and we're going to continue here.
if you need prayer, if you need prayer, we believe in prayer. An individual a few minutes ago in the first service who I've been talking to have been friends for many years, all these years. I opened the service for prayer and I looked up. He's a gazillion millionaire. And so I pray for the sick. And I looked up and right down that center aisle he came, the last service. I met him with oil. I need you to pray for me. I want to tell you something, friend. Be led by the Spirit. Let God touch you. Don't be stubborn. As we sing this song, you, you just plan to come down and get prayer. And I give the benediction this tomorrow. Oh, yeah, there's one more thing that's not in my notes. My commitment to you here is over the next 18 months, I intend to lose 50 pounds. I promise you, I'll do it. How many be praying for me? That means I'm going to have to cut back to just one cheeseburger a day. I mean, I need it. How many is going to pray? Amen. All six of you. As we sing, you come, and then I'll give the benediction. Stay with me. Here we go. Let me encourage you to be here tonight. I'll preach a rule and reign. But look, look this way for a moment. There's a reason Jesus was water baptized. I want to encourage you, and there are many of you that have never been water baptized. Take that step. You say, well, I was sprinkled or sprayed when I was 10. That's wonderful. I was baptized four times. I thought, God, that one didn't stick. I need more. But you come on out tonight. I think it's 4.30. You have to be here. You get water baptized. We have a great time tonight. I love you, everybody. Be careful as you leave the parking lot. We probably have a camera already installed. <laughs>